0: What happened in the Virginia gubernatorial election? Why are the results so important in the national picture? And what does it mean for both parties going into the 2022 midterms? We'll get to all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. come from a sports background. So the World Series is a huge deal, especially when you have the Atlanta Braves competing and winning after the All-Star Game was moved out of Georgia. But there was also a bit of a World Series of politics going on that was also drawing a crowd. Republican gubernatorial candidate Glenn Youngkin managed a surprising win over Democratic gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe in the Virginia governor's race. Now, many strategists and politicians are looking at this race and the implications it could have for the 2022 midterm elections. Youngkin's emphasis on education and tapping into the frustration of parents was a big reason why he won in key districts. There's no doubt about that. And that drew a lot of eyes to the fact that education and parents' rights could be a winning issue when it comes to recapturing suburban voters who fled the GOP during the Trump administration. Youngkin spent more than $4 million to run education-related TV ads. And guess what? Many of those put McAuliffe's gaffe on full display. Remember this? So, why has a state that President Joe Biden won in the 2020 election flipped and elected a Republican governor? What does this mean for Republicans and Democrats in future races? And is this a sign that Republicans could gain back control of Congress where the Democrats only hold a slight majority? Well, here to talk me through all of this is co anchor of America's Newsroom on the Fox News Channel and host of the Hammer Time podcast, Bill Hemmer. Bill Hemmer has worked 24-7 for the last two weeks, and he's got a long road ahead of him as well. And so just the fact that you showed up here today... Um, I appreciate uh, it.
1: Hey, it's my honor, right? I, 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 I can't talk about it enough,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> well, we're, we're the ones who reap the benefits of that because you're oh, so you. good at it. You're so knowledgeable. And I do just want to say, I know you usually sit across from Dana Perino. I feel uh-huh. very blessed that we get to be in studio together right now. <laughs> and I appreciate you accepting the fact that I am just, I'm a lot of tiers lower than oh, Dana. On. So you got to take a step I, down. Abby, no,
1: to- <laughs> you're, you're part of the team. You're well, part of the family. So it's good to be here. With you.
0: I'll be the, the sixth man on all the right. bench ready to get
1: your water. Don't make the questions too hard, all right?
0: <laughs> I, um, I think that you can answer pretty much anything, so we'll see how okay. this goes. Uh, let's just start by breaking it down simply. This Virginia election was huge for, you know, Republicans, yeah. Democrats, the country. So can you just tell us kind of what happened in Virginia?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, in broad strokes?
0: Yeah, broad strokes. Uh, um,
1: I would say, I mean, this is how I kind of did it at one o'clock in the morning the other night mm-hmm. because what I was seeing was um, Youngkin was doing better in every part of the state, which is what you want to do, and a really phenomenal race that he ran. I would say three things. Number one, uh, southwestern part of Virginia is rural. Not as many votes down there, but on a percentage basis, not a real vote total. For the general election a year ago, you had about four and a half million Virginians vote. Sizable number. Yeah. Up until Tuesday, on the governor's level, you might top 2 million. Well, they were expecting about 2.4 at the high end. Well, they got well over three million. So that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a lot of people. people but it's still not as big as a presidential election. Having said that, the rural areas on a percentage basis were higher than Trump one year ago. Why is that? Um, I think it's the campaign that Yunkin ran. Uh, I also think and this is very. It got very little attention. But in the final week of the campaign, he spent two entire days in places like Scott County and Tazewell County. And if you want to know where they are, if you were to look at Virginia on a map, it's kind of the shape of a of a. I'd say a triangle Mm -hmm. um, with the top point being Northern Virginia, the heavily populated suburbs across the river from Washington, D.C. But Paswell and Scott are way down in the bottom left-hand corner of this oddly shaped triangle. Uh, It's a ways to go. And you might only get a couple thousand votes in this county and a couple thousand votes in that county. But he did numbers that no one expected. You know, 89%. Ninety percent. Eighty six percent of the vote in those counties. Trump did great. I mean, he, he was at 83 mm-hmm. percent. Um, but that, that, that was one data point. I think the second one in the middle of the state is the city of Richmond, capital city. And there um, is a county on the southern border of Richmond. It's called Chesterfield. Are you still with me? Or I'm you? still with okay, you. Okay. I, I'm, I don't know. I I'm don't... not
0: leaving you through <laughs> okay, any of this. Right
1: um, I, I love the data deep dives because it's so fresh yeah. in my mind. I think it tells us a very interesting story. Chesterfield County had been Republican forever. Mm-hmm. And just in the last couple of elections, you know, it started drifting more and more blue. Um and four years ago, there was a governor's race there, and Ed Gillespie, who thought he stood a really good chance of winning statewide, lost by like eight points. And they're like, hey, well, what the heck's going on here? Yeah. Um, he won that county, but like th- by three tenths of a point, just barely. And then in 2020, it flipped entirely blue. Well, Youngkin brought it back.
0: He did. Yeah,
1: with about 54, 55 percent of the vote. So I thought that was an impressive point. And what that tells you, Abby, I think, is that the people living in rural Virginia bought into him. And now the people in the suburbs who had left the Republican Party because either they didn't like Trump or maybe some independent voters who did not want to vote GOP, they came back, which helped him propel to um, a pretty outstanding win. I think the third data point is the issues. And for me, that plays out more in the county of Loudoun more than anywhere else. Now, this Top is the uh, yeah, yeah, suburbs yeah, of Washington, county. D.C. It's been in the news for a year. Education is a big topic. And on that issue of education and probably the economy, that's where Loudon won. So I would say one, two and three as I
0: were okay. to explain it. Yeah, I, I guess I should mention this real quick. If you haven't been watching the news channel, you should because Bill Hammer, we call it the billboard yeah. here at Fox. He some, just he dominates. He knows where every single yeah. county is and And when he does Ohio, which is where you where you're uh-huh. from, it's also as impressive. So um, oh, that's you. where he's thank getting you. all this knowledge. You, you
1: know that Virginia is a, it's a hard state to study. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. It's got ninety five counties, which is a lot. It's but a lot. like Iowa's got ninety nine counties. But if you look at it on the map, everything's on a grid. It's north, south, east, west. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's all right there for you. Virginia has all kinds of slants and dashes, and some counties are pretty much all the same in terms of size. They've all got different shapes because of the mountains and the way the Shenandoah Valley runs and the James River from west to east. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of nerdy stuff that I like. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean I like Shenandoah Valley. Uh, hey,
0: I'm I'm yeah. all about it.
1: I-, I like numbers and I like geography and I like politics, yeah. those three go together. But Virginia has 38 cities that have their own governments. Wow! So on the map, they look like little specks, but sometimes these little specks have like 60,000 people, and sometimes these little specks have only 6,000 people. So it, w- it, was a, it was a confounding state to study. Something. So,
0: yeah, and I feel like that's probably why so many people are talking about it right now. Of course, Loudoun County has been uh, top of headlines mm-hmm. as of late, and then um, people are calling this a bellwether election. So so why do you think that's the case? Because Joe Biden won Virginia by double digits in 2020. Now you have Glenn Youngkin, Republican candidate, focusing more on the issues that are affecting his constituents. You have education that you mentioned, economy, things like that. So why should we be paying attention to Virginia when it comes to the entire country? Uh,
1: um, in, a, in a year from now, we may look back and think it did not mean a hill of beans. Mm hmm. And in a year from now, we may look back and say, yeah, see, I told you so. Um, I would argue a couple points. Youngkin did not have big Republican heavy hitters come in and campaign with him. Terry McAuliffe did.
0: And you think that's a good thing for Glenn Youngkin? I think if you're trying
1: to get the vote of people who live there, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Um,
0: Just a quick point on that, too. Something that confused me is Terry McAuliffe said um, he was kind of accused of nationalizing this a bit. You know, he had Obama come in. He had President Biden, Kamala Harris. uh, But then he said, look, no, no, no. No one's asked me about what's happening in D.C. No one's asked me about what's happening in the country. But so it's kind of this interesting message that he was sending. Like, I'm not nationalizing it, but also I'm going to get these big, heavy. It's a
1: very interesting point. I would argue that's a bit of a disconnect on, on his part. Right. Um, but maybe, you know, I mean, I think it's quite possible the week before the vote that Democrats knew they had a problem. Hmm. Maybe we didn't see it, but, but they did. And that would help explain why Biden would go to meet with his Democratic caucus in the House on that Thursday before he flew out to Europe. Because they were sensing we've got to show something for what we've done over the past ten months. And so,
0: in your in your professional yeah. opinion, do you think that helped or hurt them? Because you know, there's also this conversation of backwards Trump messaging, and Joe Biden came in and said what Trump twenty five times during his speech. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, do you think that hurt Terry McAuliffe? Um,
1: it may have only because it occupied more space than would have been available. To talk about things like education in schools and like the economy and like the issue of crime.
0: Right. So yeah. that
1: that's that, that that's my guess on that. that but but, uh, but I would wonder, Abby, who was on the ballot on Tuesday? Was it McAuliffe and Yunkin or was it?
0: Joe Biden Joe and Biden? President Trump. Correct. Former President
1: Trump or, and Trump. or Biden and Harris. And the reason I say that is because what were people voting on? For 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 ten months. And the Biden administration has been able to do what it wants. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to ask yourself now, d- the people in Virginia, did they like and did they accept that direction? I think the answer now is clearly mm, no.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's kind of
1: like put down the fork and put down the knife. Yeah. Push yourself away from the table. <laughs> All right. Let's just stop eating for a moment here. All right. Let's Dude. digest this meal and see if we're okay with where we are and where we think we are going. And I think Joe Manchin, The Democrat from West Virginia has expressed that in a very articulate way over the past couple of days.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, he's saying, look, I just I think we shouldn't try to pass this so quickly we should take a step back and before we sign something we want to get more details how will this affect us this that's how will it be paid for um so yeah i think that's an interesting point that you make uh my curiosity too. um, so much attention was on virginia so much attention was on new jersey what does this mean for the midterms can you break it down simply since this is getting schooled for our listeners what does Mm -hmm. that mean in the context of the midterms in 2022 okay um
1: Getting schooled, I love that. <laughs> um, I was a fan of um, what was it? It was um, I'm just a bill sitting on the hill. I'm
0: just here a bill. In so they, they, schoolhouse they, Rock. It's schoolhouse house big, Rock. Yes, sorry. yes.
1: Senior moment.
0: You're going to be Schoolhouse Rock for <laughs> yes. us right now. <laughs> I'm feeling it.
1: Uh, the House has a margin in favor of Democrats by four votes. And You say, okay. Well, there's 435 members. It's mm-hmm. a lot, and your margin is four. That pretty much tells you that if you want to pass anything along party lines, you have to have everybody vote for you. It's tricky. On the Senate side, it's 50-50. So you have pretty much what I would consider a very even balance of power in Congress. Yet the initiatives have been done by and large by only Democrats. And they have not involved Republicans on many of these big spending items, except for one. And that's this bill on infrastructure. Now, the price tag is high. It's $1.2 trillion. But it passed in the Senate well over a month ago with 17 Republicans voting with Democrats. And in America today, where things are so divided and divisive, if you get 17 men and women from the other party to vote with you in a 50-50 Senate... That's a pretty good sign. Yeah. I mean, at, at the current state of American politics, that's, that's a win. Well, it hasn't moved forward now, this bill, $1.2 trillion on the House side, because they've been going back and forth among Democrats themselves. Remember, mm-hmm. they've got the votes to do it with a simple majority. The question is whether or not moderates in the Democrat. Uh, a Joe Manchin, Christ uh, in cinema. Correct. And on the House side, you've got a lot of guys who, men and women who come from New York and New Jersey and, and Connecticut. And they come from districts that are fifty two forty eight. 48, the way they break down in a vote. And they could very easily lose their seat the next time around. Mm-hmm. But with these moderates, one of the big sticking points for them has been the elimination of what's called property tax deduction. It's called SALT, and that's based on state and local taxes. And SALT was eliminated in 2017 when Trump and the Republicans passed their big tax bill, which essentially means if Abby owns a home in New York, she could write off the interest payments on that house and get a tax rebate. Mm-hmm. Well, when SALT when salt was available, you could do that and get some money back on your taxes but when the trump tax bill was passed salt was eliminated so abby's deduction of 10,000 or 15 or 25 or in your case a million dollars <laughs> <laughs> When, when that <laughs> I de, wish. when that deduction was lost, you were like, "Well, heck, what am I getting for my money, and why should I buy a house, and why should I take out this big loan?" Yeah, right. So these moderate members of Congress are like, "Guys, we're going, we're going to get it done for you. We're going to get your salt deduction back in action." Well, up until about two days ago, that wasn't the case. So now they're folding it back into the bill to try and win their votes. Okay. and I, I think the drama today, Abby, is. If they were to bring that bill to the floor, would it pass? And I got to tell you, as much as I study this thing, it is a 50-50 proposition. You could flip a coin.
0: So then what does it mean um, in terms of the midterms uh, that Glenn Youngkin won? And what like, why does that matter in the the overall context of that? Because also Kamala Harris was in Virginia when she was speaking um, for Terry McAuliffe. And she said, what happens in Virginia will in large part determine what happens in 2022, 2024 and on. So what does she mean by that?
1: Um, She might she might be right. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, twelve months ago, if you told me we were gonna see what we saw on Tuesday, I'd say, come on. Right. <laughs> right?
0: I, I, I think a lot of us would. Yeah. I mean, the you, fact that you had to study New Jersey.
1: <laughs> yeah, correct. Took a crash course <laughs> on like Ocean County. But I know where it is now. And Monmouth too, right? Yeah. Um, my feeling is that she might be right and she might be wrong, because nobody really can predict what's going to happen in a year from now. However, when you have an agenda that is going so In one direction with such vigor and a lack of ability to stop it, it's essentially one-party rule. And Democrats have the votes to do that if they can be successful, but so far they have not proven they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think the reflection on Tuesday perhaps is you're in debt by $29 trillion, and the proposals are massive. And I think a lot of people in Virginia felt as if, just needed to put the brakes on for now.
0: Yeah. Um, so to give some historical context mm-hmm. to what Kamala Harris is saying and, and kind of making the point that she could be right in a way in 1993, both Virginia and New Jersey went Republican. The house flipped in 1994, 2005, both went Democrat house flipped to Democrats in 2006, 2009, both went Republican house flipped Republican in 2010. Um, and, and, you know, I could mm-hmm. go on. Right. Yeah. So, If if both so, like when it comes to New Jersey and Virginia, both, um, you know, if both were Democrats and then the House flipped that way. Why does that happen?
1: Uh, It happens because people are not content with the direction that Mm. those politicians are taking them. I'll give you a pretty good. I I think the case example to be used and you're going to hear a lot about this over the next 12 months. Um, In 2010, Obamacare was in the books and in the House. Democrats had the majority. And there was a lot of predictions that we're talking right now about the House flipping and more Republicans winning, which would give them the majority in the House and maybe even the Senate, perhaps. But just stick to the House for now. That November, 63 Democrats lost their seats in the House. It was a historical rout. And the next day, Barack Obama came out in the uh, the briefing room uh, at the White House. And he said, well, that was a shellacking. That was Mm -hmm. his quote. And he was right about that. Uh, historically speaking, losing 63 houses was house seats i don 't know if it had ever been done before at the top of my head i can 't recall. Um, my reflection on that time, however, is this: For those who wanted health care signed into law, they were willing to, for lack of a better word, sacrifice whichever house members were going to lose. But no one predicted. They would lose sixty-three House seats. I mean, they talk about this past Tuesday about being an earthquake. That was that was like wow. I mean, that's a shellacking ten yeah, x, right?
0: That made the fault line just right. so. N-
1: so, so you need what a I, bridge to what, go over? It, yeah. What I would argue now is that if you're going to ask these moderate Democrats to vote for these big pieces of legislation, and they're in these swing districts that could go either way, well, uh, they now have to decide whether they're going to vote their careers out of Congress, which now Or could be a possibility. Um, If you look at history, I, I think the effort would be on behalf of Nancy Pelosi is to get a lot of these programs signed into law, because history shows that once they're on the books, they're hard to pull back. And damn the consequences if we lose 40 or 50 or even 63 house seats, they will have the law.
0: It's recess time, but we'll be back soon. I think a lot of people expected maybe Nancy Pelosi to say, okay, let's not vote on this right away because of what happened in Virginia or or depending on what was happening in New Jersey. Why is that? Why were people surprised that she was like, no, we're still voting on this right now? Um,
1: I think uh, my sense is, and this is just my own thought here, is that the fire is hot and you better strike now Mm. because the longer it sits on the shelf, the colder that fire is going to get. And I also think progressives, they wanted a lot more in this bill. They did not get it. It's been pared back. I'm still on the fence as to whether or not ultimately it's passed and signed in the law in the House or the Senate side. But I think their opportunity to do it is to do it sooner rather than later.
0: Do you think that there's a possibility Joe Biden becomes a lame duck president or that Speaker Pelosi becomes a lame duck speaker?
1: Uh, there's a good chance that this might be her last term. And I think, I think for her, her strategy was... I was House Speaker when we got Obamacare passed, and she's very proud of the health care bill there. In 10, 11 years later, it's more popular now than it was in 2010 or 11 or 12. That's one aspect of it. And I believe that her crowning achievement was to do Build Back Better and to do infrastructure, perhaps at the same time or at least in the same session. And then she could go into retirement with these what would be enormous accomplishments as a House Speaker for the Democratic Party. I think that's what's at play for her. But, Abby, I've looked at this so many ways. Uh, especially when, not not the infrastructure deal, because that had 19 or 17 Republicans vote on it, and they believe that a lot of that money has already been allocated, so it would not be an additional expense. That's the selling point. Mm-hmm. On the other plan, $1.7 or $1.8 trillion, whatever the amount is, the Build Back Better plan, I've looked at how they've tried to pay for this, because oftentimes the comment is it's fully paid for. Well, is it?
0: Or it's $0, according it's, to Joe it's Biden. It's going
1: to cost us nothing. <laughs> I, it, is it? Wow. That, <laughs> that a would be a- great. Great, let's do That's it. A good swap, all right? <laughs> 1.8 trillion, it's free. Um, a large part of how they want to pay for it is through taxes. Well, what kind of taxes? These are taxes that have never been done before. For example, if you have revenue of more than ten million dollars a year in income, you would be automatically taxed a three percent surcharge on any income above ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, if you're a billion, if you made a billion dollars a year, it's three percent on nine hundred ninety million dollars, whatever it is. Um, in addition, if a company were to profit a billion dollars, there would be a three percent tax on that revenue as well. So. We've never done it before this way. Um, we usually take the tax rates. Like if you pay 25% on your taxes, they'd move you to 27. If you pay 30, they'd move you to 32. And they do that across the board. And everybody could understand that. You're paying X, I'm paying Y, boom, boom, boom. This is a massively complex tax idea. If you think Congress right now is at a 50-50 majority, which is essentially a tie, how do you take such a massively complex bill at $1.8 trillion with a massively complex tax idea and get it through a divided Congress? I just think it's exceedingly difficult.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a divided Congress. Then you also think about um, just what's happening within, we kind of mentioned earlier, the Democratic Party. You have the progressives and then you have the moderates and that's why, you know, I think what Joe Manchin is saying makes a lot of sense in terms of let's just take a moment and kind of consider this. Is it only being, we talk so much about it being paid for from taxes but or by taxes rather but it will also be paid for in a sense through inflation as we move forward how does that connection work it's
1: one of the dangers and a lot of democrats have argued that this will be a have a deflationary effect on the economy maybe Mm -hmm. they're right i don't know i know what joe manchin just said this morning um and we're having this conversation on what What's today? Thursday?
0: Thursday. Uh,
1: Thursday afternoon? I think,
0: yeah. I, 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 don't, know what, I don't know what he's going to say <laughs> Can we tomorrow. we get a fact check on that? Is it Thursday today? <laughs>
1: Correct on that. Call the brain room. Um, this morning, he he said, uh, we need a pause. And he said this to Brett last night, too, on Special Report. He said, we need a pause. We need to see what inflation's doing. You know, is it indeed transitory? And his, is it um, temporary? And if it is, we'll know in a couple months. But if it's not, then the Weight of inflation on the economy will be, could be extraordinary. Yeah, and if it is, it takes a, it, you need a lot more buying power to compensate for the for the weight of inflation that we would all be.
0: Yeah, for. I've read some experts saying that this is not transitory, which is a huge bummer. Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge bummer for all of our pockets. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, you've been so great, and I, I'm just as we kind of wrap things up here. Where do we go next in terms of gearing up for the elections coming up in 2022? How should we see Virginia and New Jersey playing into that? And and what what do people need to know? I
1: I think New Jersey, um, even though Phil Murphy hung on the win, um, I, I know Cittarelli at this point hasn't conceded. Um, but it looks like he's going to win in New Jersey. Had he lost, I mean, we'd be like, whoa.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: That was all that coming. Um, which reminds me that there, there was an election. Eric Cantor was a Republican and representing the uh, a district in Virginia. He was also part of Republican leadership. And a lot of people, like, in the Tea Party movement, they were really ticked off at Republican leadership in the in about six, eight years ago. And they made their voices heard. And it was pretty prominent. Well, Eric Cantor got beat in this primary in Virginia. Um, and everyone's like, "Whoa, how'd that happen?" Well, a couple of years later, a woman by the name of AOC primaried a guy by the name of um, Joe Murphy in um, in New York and beat him. Well, he was part of Democratic leadership forever. Those were, I, I think, compared to this past week, those are tremors compared to the earthquake that we just mm, saw because it it puts such a laser focus on what Democrats in the House and the Senate are trying to get done. These aren't small bills. These are trillions and trillions of dollars. And you either accept the price tag they're giving you or you, or you think, wow, this, this could be a lot bigger than they're actually average. Joe Crowley, sorry. I said Joe Murphy. Murphy's on my mind. It's Joe there you Crowley. Go. Phil, there. Phil Murphy, and, Joe and Murphy. <laughs> right. um, so um, what I would say is that New Jersey and Virginia could be the canary in the coal mine. And we may see an absolute rout next November. But I would not characterize it just that way yet. Because we got a lot of time between uh, here and then. Historically, however, Bill Clinton um, was routed in his first term. That's when Newt Gingrich and the Republicans in 1994 came in um, and took the majority for the first time in decades. Uh, But Clinton found, uh, found a way to bounce back. And I know I described earlier in our conversation what happened with Obamacare. That was the second year of Obama's first term. He found a way to come back. My question would be, can Joe Biden come back from this does he have the energy and the ability to do it and i think that's a, that's a question we're going to have to see play out over the next year if he can this conversation next november is entirely different right. if he can't you're looking at a a the significant possibility of the republicans taking not just the house back but even the senate And the second part of that answer is starting to come into focus now. Can Republicans win the majority in the Senate? And and if that happens next November, Joe Biden would indeed be a lame duck. And how does he manage that politically? How does he work with Congress at that point? It may be the best case scenario for him because he ran as a moderate. He ran as a centrist. He ran as a guy who said, I can get things done. Well, so far, he's only shown that he wants to get things done for the left. Mm. And not for everybody else. Sometimes that has a way, Abby, of taking the mind of a president and really focusing them and getting them to get off their singular track and come to the middle. And maybe that's Interesting.
0: the outcome. And it, like you said, it'll be uh, we'll, we'll have to see if that happens because Joe Biden just said, oh, you know what? What happened in Virginia? I don't think I my approval ratings really had anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. But I think what we've come to see is that, you know, people really do care about education and what is being taught. And, and, and the Democrat Party has always been the ones who are like, education is our issue. Like we own education. And now it's a Republican who won Virginia because he focused on education, he gave power back to parents. And I think that's something that we're going to see trickle throughout the entire country. Mm, could. And, you know, it could be happen in 2022, 2024. Mm. So I guess we'll we'll see we, we what shall. happens. We, we shall. shall see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, Bill Hemmer, thank you so much you for bet. taking the, the three seconds of free time that you have and spending I, it with me.
1: I think I got schooled.
0: <laughs> I think I got schooled. You did all the schooling.
1: <laughs> thank you, Abby. Great to
0: be with you. You too. Right. if you missed anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways from my conversation with Bill Hemmer. Number one, the reason Virginia received so much attention is because we were able to see these things that really matter to voters, education and parents. Education has been something Democrats have always claimed, but now you see a Republican win over parents. Then you go to the economy. How much are people paying at the pump? This could be a signal to both Democrats and Republicans. Number two, Looking ahead to the midterms, Bill says, hey, look, there's still time before 2022. If President Biden can turn things around and things like the economy and immigration and things like that, then it could dictate the conversation we're having in 2022. Same goes for if he isn't able to turn things around. Bill's point is a lot can change before the midterms. And number three. Bo predicts that something we'll be hearing a lot about in the near future is 2010 and Obamacare. In the House of Representatives, Republicans won a net gain of 63 seats that year. That was an earthquake. And things can shift in politics, and we'll see if that shift happens in the midterms. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the Virginia gubernatorial race. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed.